Welcome back to the Wine and Gold Talk podcast, everybody. Hayden Grove here, and normally we would be joined by Chris Fedor, but again, this week we have some special interviews featuring Chris and some Cavaliers legends. The second interview is with none other than Mr. Craig Elo, who is going to discuss a little bit about the aftermath of the shot and what he saw while watching The Last Dance, the Michael Jordan documentary, what, what he felt watching the episode three that featured Jordan's legendary shot. So we hope you enjoy this interview between Chris and Mr. Craig Elo. Thanks to Craig Elo and to Mark Price uh, for joining Chris and for being a part of the Wine and Gold Talk podcast. Enjoy, everybody. You know, the shot uh, on whatever, May 6th or 7th, I forgot the date. Oh, that's right. Uh, yeah. 1989 is, I mean, it's, I would say in the last 10 years, you know, I get, I get a lot of calls on that day or, uh, <laughs> you know, NBA TV or ESPN. Yep. Somebody, and last year was the 30th anniversary, which, like I said, I, I would never have dreamed that. <laughs> yeah, that's We'd right. we celebrating anniversaries of, of shots, and now the dance is on, and we had our big uh, moment in episode three, so, yep. uh, yeah, kind of back into the, to the spotlight again, and, <laughs> uh, you know, it, it, I, it, I won't say that Obviously, when it happened and the years after that, uh, you know, it was hard, you know, to live with and we mm-hmm. wanted to beat them so bad. Uh, but after, you know, a longer period of time, it, it loses its flavor other than, you know, people celebrating it. So yeah. uh, I've kind of embraced the, I think my the first time I really embraced it was when Either Nike did an ad and they sent me like a $5,000 check. And, uh, you know, then I started like, well, I can ride this horse too. So, uh, if they're going to put me in with it all the time, uh, and now I'm, I've never said I was a Jordan stopper like Wilkins did. Gerald, uh, mm-hmm. uh said and everything, but, uh, you know, when, when I played, uh, Harp and me were on the court a lot of the, of the same time. Mm-hmm. So he was, you know, our big offensive threat. So, I mean, when I came in, it was like, it was a no-brainer, you know. I would guard him so Harp could, could rest on defense and, you know, play on offense. Yeah. And he had never really talked about defense or or guarding people, and he wasn't a bad defender. I'll, I'll give him that much. But I think you know those years with the Bulls when he, uh, you know, uh, got those championships. He was definitely you know second or maybe even third or fourth fiddle. Uh, so he, he all of a sudden he becomes this lockdown defender, <laughs> <laughs> which uh, you know I don't really remember him. Uh, during our our time, wanting you know to play defense that much, but I mean he kind of shocked me with. Uh, did you watch it in episode I, three? I did. I was going to ask you. Did you watch it? Are you watching it? Oh yeah, no, I, I wouldn't pass this up. I mean Steve Kerr and I were very very close on uh, the team. I you know I Mark and Danny and me and Steve were you know when got somewhere we went to eat together and mm-hmm. but when we played cards or shot three pointers it was Danny and Mark against me and Steve and everything so uh 
I'm at when I was, I think I was at home visiting my folks when Steve hit that shot to win, win that championship. And, uh, you know, I called him immediately and was like, I can't believe you just did that. <laughs> and, and, uh, so we stayed in touch. Uh, oh, uh, you know, phones have helped that. So, mm-hmm. uh, yeah, I was, uh, interested in it before. It got bumped up till April, right? So I was going to watch it anyway uh, because I played in that time period. Mm-hmm. So I know the Pistons and I know all of that. So uh, yeah, it's a really good trip down memory lane. But <laughs> Mark kind of surprised me uh, saying what he said on his uh, interview that he wanted to guard Michael, and I don't, I, I can't honestly tell you. If I remember anything in that huddle, I just remember scoring and them calling timeout to advance the ball. Uh-huh. And then when we went to the timeout, we had a timeout, so we knew that we were going to let them go out, set up, and call timeout. So nothing was really said in the first timeout, mm. uh, except, uh, you know, well, we definitely know who wants to take the last shot <laughs> so, and who's going to get the ball. And... Uh, you know, I, I've seen some clips and, and stuff, uh, kind of parodies on YouTube and stuff with it. And, you know, they, Price, Doherty, Harper, Nance were all on the floor and, and then me. Mm-hmm. So, uh, I was never an all-star. Those guys were, you know, all NBA players and all-stars. So, um, yeah, I just don't remember. Anything in the timeout where Hart said, "I'll take MJ," mm. uh, so it kind of shocked me that he that he said it, and he could have said it. He could have said it, you know, uh, with Coach Wilkins face to face. But I'd been guarding him uh, previously, so um, I, the only thing we changed was Coach Wilkins never. He was so old school; he never really changed from the, the rules of the old school basketball, take a man off the ball, uh, never give the passer a, a clear view of anything, mm-hmm. and always guard the guy. Um, but, you know, we did it. We changed in, in you know, retrospect now, and hindsight, uh, you would say, you know, put me in front of him and harp in back of him. Mm-hmm. And, keep Larry on the ball, but you, I mean, that's why coaches get paid what they get paid. <laughs> yeah. Uh, because they got to make those kind of decisions in a short period of time, and I just kind of remember, okay, we're going to take Larry off the ball, put him in front of, of him, because uh, everybody was on the baseline, Pippen in the nearest corner, Cartwright was on the other side, and Hodges was in the very far corner, and Sellers was throwing it in, and Brad wasn't going to be a, uh, a threat, so I think we just all kind of just listened to what Coach said and, <laughs> and did it. So uh, if Harp said it, he could have. I couldn't tell you. Uh, I know that uh, you know him and MJ became very good friends when mm-hmm. he was with the Bulls, and uh, obviously the interviews and what they both said were you know in in this time. Uh, frame so uh, 
I think, you know, Harp, and I'll give Harp credit. Harp didn't, he didn't know how to play golf uh, mm. at all. And once he became friends and, and travel started uh, going with Michael, I mean, he's a damn scratch golfer. <laughs> I've seen him in uh, stuff, and, you know, he, he's a hell of a golfer. And uh, so I think, you know, I'm not part of that good old boys club there, so... Uh, I don't know if they had talked about it. <laughs> yeah. like, and I didn't take what Michael said as disrespect to me or anything to me mm-hmm. or directed at me. The way I heard it was, I, I thought he was just saying that Coach Wilkins made a mistake uh, putting me on him. Because, mm. uh, you know, and then he said, you know, Ron guarded me better uh, anyway. So, uh I, I kind of thought he was just saying that the mistake that was made was, you know, by the staff. <clears throat> okay. And uh, so I didn't take anything personal at, or at all because, mm-hmm. in all uh, honesty, Michael has never said anything, you know, bad about me. Or mm-hmm. uh, actually, I took my son. Uh, who gave me my grandson Austin to his camp in Santa Barbara and on Friday when they signed signs autographs they protect him and you know one kid comes in at a time he's at a table they take whatever you have to him he signs it you get a certificate of authenticity and then you leave and you don't really get to talk to him but when Austin came through he uh Michael was like, hey, come here, I gotta tell you about your dad. <laughs> so, I mean, and he invited me to, uh, when he had his charity events in Chicago and stuff, mm-hmm. I've been to those. So, uh, you know, like I said, I don't think anything was personal about, uh, what he said in the dance or in his part of the dance. Uh, that, uh, it was a mistake. Like it was directed at me. I yeah. thought it was more directed at, at the cat. So it wasn't hurtful that, that MJ said uh, on the documentary that, that Harper guarded him better than you you did? No, no, uh, not at all. I just know that, like I said, we, we you know, they were in our division, so we played them so much. Right. Uh, and Harp was our, you know, big offensive threat. So uh, it was just kind of... Uh, a no-brainer that I would expend my energy uh, so Hart could have his own offense. Mm. So in that in that huddle, you you were expecting to get that defensive assignment against MJ on the final possession, then? Yeah, no, because uh, I'd been guarding him the whole quarter. Yeah, and um, you know, uh, I think the second three-pointer I hit, Hart actually penetrated and threw it to me right in my shooting pocket and uh, you know I I was in rhythm I caught right in front of their bench and shot it and and made it that put us up again so I met he uh I would say his first two or three first year rookie year he would have never made that pass to me in the pocket he would have thrown it at my feet so I would have to give it back to him Uh (laughs) and uh but you know that that's what was so great about our our Cleveland team was that we were just so close and uh, such a, a 
you know, winning mentality by team, not by individual. Yeah. So, uh, yeah, that game was incredible because uh, I forgot. I think he had twenty five. Mark had or Mark had twenty five, and he had twenty two. So, I mean, we had a balanced attack. So Sunday night when the episode aired and and Harper said the comments that he said, um, how many of your old teammates reached out to you to get your reaction on what Harper said? We, um, uh, again, thanks to uh, uh, modern technology, (laughs) uh, no one really texted, uh, but I saw a couple of tweets uh, from Mark and uh, saw another one today that... uh, you know, no one really uh, said anything. And, and Larry, I remember we came, I came back to Cleveland for a Jim Rome show, and I can't remember how many years it had been, but Larry actually said it was his fault mm. that Michael got open, and it wasn't just me. So, And I saw that again uh, on the tweet a couple of days ago, but... There's not a bad phone in any of any, you know, Coach Wilkins to Brad to Mark to to Larry. Uh, if Hot Rod now, Hot Rod might have said something to him because Hot Rod didn't hold anything back. Uh, so if he would, uh, if he heard it up in heaven, he might he might be saying something to it. But uh, it was yeah, just you know, I can hear Larry saying that's hard. Just that's harp, and Brad kind of like you know shugging it off, mm-hmm. <laughs> mm-hmm. and Mark was always you know the quiet assassin. So uh, no one, uh, everybody obviously saw it and heard it, and I think they were all shocked, uh, kind of like my reaction was. Craig, do you ever think back um, about if there was anything that you could have done differently defensively on that play to have a different outcome? Oh, no question. I met, uh, after years of podcasting and, uh, you know, talking about guys' defensive stance and, uh, readiness on defense. Uh, I think when we decided to double team and put Larry in front and mm-hmm. me in back, uh, if you watch some of the clips, I meant I'm kind of like standing up and not so much in a defensive stance, like squatting. And uh, so I got a little lack knowing that someone was going to be in front of him. So when he lost Larry with the the choke, uh, juke to the midcourt and then he caught the ball on the wing, I was kind of running and not in a defensive slide, mm. which, you know, fundamentally uh, you're taught that from day one. Uh, so I was, I guess, too relaxed, and when I did catch him, by the time I caught up to him, he was already uh, going back to the free throw line. And so we were, uh, I was in a running uh, kind of catch-up mode, and then, you know, when he stops, if you watch, he goes, he stops on a dime and goes straight up. And I'm just, I'm like, I've described it before as like E.T. on his bike, uh, flying by, by the moon. And that's exactly what I did. I jumped, but my momentum was going east-west, and he was going, you know, north-south straight up. Yeah. And uh, 
that caused me to, um, you know, he all he did was kind of hang in the air there, which he's known for, and let me go by. When my hand went by, I got my hand up. And that's what everybody talks about, how good the defense was. But yeah. if I would have been sliding and I would have stopped and gone straight up with him, I mean, he would have outjumped me, no question, uh, there. But I probably would have not just flown by him and, and uh, I could have, you know, distracted him even more. So, yes, I, I have uh, gone over that many times and, and described it just like I did uh, to you, to other people. So, yes, a defensive stance, defensive slide, and don't relax. Does it bother you, Craig, that after all these years, I mean, so I'm, I'm on Twitter the other night after watching The Last Dance, and I just kind of wanted to get a feel for what a lot of fans were saying, and it was like they were reacting to it in real time, like they were seeing it for the first yeah. time, and all of those emotions came back, and the criticism was again directed at you, like, does that bother you yeah. at all? No, no, um, my dad taught me that from day one, uh... We were, I grew up in Lubbock, Texas, and our favorite football team was Dallas Cowboys. And uh-huh. uh, every time, or a couple of first times they went to the Super Bowl and lost them, he was like, yeah, but they were there. Mm. They were there, you know. And so he instilled that in me from day one. And, and even I remember the conversation when I got home that night and he had called me, he said the same thing, like, you got to play against the best guy in basketball. You got to go, you know, mano y mano with him. And no one else can say that. Mm. Only you. So that helped, you know, ease my pain uh, in, in knowing that that's right. I mean, who wouldn't want to be on that stage uh, with him? I mean, that's what you, that's all those years of, uh, basketball in the summer and play, you know, in the gym, shooting late, uh, all those years you work for to get where you're at, uh, or to the opportunity to play there is exactly what it should have been. So, uh, I, I can accept criticism. Um, I got thick skin. Um, I'm always took anything by coaches or, even media as constructive and never negative. Mm-hmm. So, uh, I mean, in all seriousness, yeah. I mean, I worked a little harder that summer to be a little bit better uh, as a basketball player. And luckily for me, I had, you know, like Mark Price and Larry Nance that was uh, there to do that So uh, with me. So, <clears throat> they... Now, I, I'm, I, I can't lie. I would say at that time and that age, mm-hmm. I was definitely uh, a little more sensitive to it uh, of criticism mm-hmm. uh, by fans or by the media. But uh, again, you know, I'm the one that gets to go into that locker room and uh, put the uniform on and, and go out and uh, play on the court. So, uh I mean, yeah, that's, I, it, I can't say that it didn't affect me, but I, I at least tried to make it constructive and not negative. 
What were those on-court battles against Jordan like? I mean, not everybody can sit there and say that they guarded him so many different possessions, Craig, throughout the regular season, a bunch of different playoff series. Like You had a unique experience of being a Central Division rival and seeing him in the playoffs. So when people ask you about your time guarding him when he was becoming the best player in the NBA, how do you describe those, those battles? Uh, again, exactly you know, what you work for and put in all those hours, uh, uh, you know, to get this opportunity to play at at that level. Um, The thing that made it so unique was the year before they beat us, they were the three seed and we were the six seed, but we were, you know, young and dumb. And uh, everybody talked about us being, if the nucleus could, you know, stick together, which management did. Mm-hmm. Uh, for us and for about seven years um, that first couple of years they we weren't really chasing them it was the Pistons mm-hmm. and we had some battles with them too because they were uh, champs and uh, I, you know the two teams that in our division that people talked about was the Bulls and us you know giving them uh a run for the money. Sure. And so, um, you know, sometimes the Chicago series didn't really take flight until after that. Because uh, then, you know, Michael was the star of the league. Right. <laughs> so, uh, again, who in their right mind would not want the opportunity to play against um somebody like Michael or like when I was a rookie Magic or Larry mm-hmm. uh, or even Dominique or Dr. J uh, I mean that's uh, those were the, the stars of, of the league and that's what you wanted to do is play against the best so uh, I cherished it I, I know that I, I didn't try to put uh, too much into it about how I did or the, the only thing that I was taught and always wanted to do was win the game, and it didn't matter how you did it or who was on the floor, uh, just win the game. And so that's kind of my mentality, but, I mean, don't get me wrong. <laughs> I mean, you, I can't tell you. The Chicago was the first one to turn the lights off <laughs> in, in the introductions and play yeah. that music. You know, yeah. so everybody else just kept the lights on and you said the starting five and everything. They made it a show, and uh, I, I mean, I can't tell you the the butterflies, the nervousness, the confidence, all the emotions. You know, before the game starting uh, are all there. Um. So I loved it. I mean, I loved. Because he competed, too. He yeah. didn't care if it was me or Ron Harper on I him. Mean, he competed and, and wanted to win just as bad as as the, as the we did. Sure. So, uh, you know, he was always going to play his best in that, that 48 minutes. Do you remember your first interaction with him? Do you have a story from that? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> um, I think it was in that first playoff series uh the year before we're in chicago and somehow a uh 
he, he's out on a break. And the ball gets, Oakley throws him a long pass or something, and I'm a good 15 feet, 20 feet behind him, chasing him. Uh-huh. And no way I could catch him. And I got close when he went up to the basket, and we only had two officials uh, during that time. And he, the lead official was trailing both of us. So the only thing he saw was Michael land awkwardly. So he blew his whistle. <laughs> and I swear, Michael, he called a foul on me. Uh, I actually got a technical because I was like, what the? I was like, I'm 15 feet from him. And uh, he laid on the floor for about 20 minutes. Uh, and it was dead quiet in Chicago. I mean, uh, the old Chicago Stadium, I don't know if you ever got to see that place, but Mm-mm. it was uh, incredible. And uh, just, you know, man, stacked on 17,000. And by the 21st minute, he still hadn't gotten up. Everybody in that stadium was chanting, Elo sucks. <laughs> Elo sucks. <laughs> and um, so after the game, they won. And. We didn't travel back to Cleveland because we had a game, you know, two nights later or something. Uh, but the next day in the paper, uh, Michael actually says, uh, Elo absolved, which I had no idea what absolved meant. <laughs> <laughs> uh, as the headline uh, of any wrongdoing. <laughs> so he he basically saved me, and I remember NBA telling me uh, they took they escorted me to my room and did not and said you order room service and you're not going out because somebody who might do something crazy because they thought you hurt oh my Michael God. Jordan. So he absolved me uh, the next day in the headlines, and then the next game uh, he. He kind of grinned at me uh, on the court, and from then on, mm. it was like friendly banter every time we played. Because mm. I'd take the baseline away from him, and he would spin back to the middle, middle, and you know, shoot a fall away off the glass, and I'd be like, "What the? Heck? How did you do that?" <laughs> and you know, he he just he would jokingly just kind of shrugged and give me that grin and smile so he was never like mischievous or anything uh about it and now we had moments where it got heated because he uh you know i won't say that i wasn't physical with him uh mm-hmm. playing i mean back then you could uh knock guys around or impede their uh uh you know direction or something with with body contact so mm-hmm. I think he took it uh, personal a couple of times, like, <laughs> don't do that, don't do that. And uh, so, yeah, even in his high point game, which people don't realize was an overtime game, so he got an extra five minutes to score 69 against us. <laughs> and, uh, you know, he, he was just like that whole time, and it was a great game. Like I said, it was an overtime game, and uh you know, it was just like, don't even try to stop me. Don't even try it, you know. And so he jokingly said that to me mm. all the time. So, uh, but it was fun because once that ball, once the uh, it got tipped, I mean, he was 
he, he cut your heart out. Yeah. And I love that. I mean, I love competing against something like that. Mm-hmm. So you said you're watching The Last Dance. Have you seen anything, besides what Ron Harper said, have you seen anything, Craig, that uh, that has surprised you that you didn't know, that you've learned, uh, even though you were in it and, and you were going up against them, now you're seeing it from a different lens. So is there anything that has stood out to you about that? Well, um, I mean, I, I knew a little bit um, with how distraught, Scotty was with the contract mm. and stuff. Because, mm-hmm. uh, you know, he was the fifth player pit. But coming from an NAIA school, they kind of held that against him, yeah. basically, I think. And, you know, it, who would not want Scotty Pippen? So I'm sure Krause did get lots of calls. So um, I, I remember in that first series when he was a rookie, he had a huge game five against us. Um, that help them win, and if he doesn't have that game, uh, we actually have a chance of, of winning that game five uh, against them. So, you know, I, I kind of measured myself against him because we were both six six, six seven, whatever you want to call it, skinny. Uh, you know, from smaller towns. Mm-hmm. Uh, and, uh, you know, he was a fifth rat or fifth player picked, and I was, you know, the forty eighth player picked. Um, but, um, you know, I, I, it just kind of surprised me, um, you know, during that time that they didn't really reward him. Mm. Uh, and we didn't have a salary cap or anything, but hearing, you know, like Bill Jackson say, or, or even the stats where he's, uh, you know, the 147th second or something player uh, salary-wise, and he should be in the top five. Uh, so that off the court kind of stuff mm-hmm. surprised me. Uh, uh, loved anything about Dennis Rodman. <laughs> uh, he was, uh, uh, I, I guess, with the Pistons, you know, uh, no tattoos, no piercings, just play his ass off. Yeah, he still played his ass off when he got all that. But um, I mean, uh, that kind of stuff where he uh the, all the off-court stuff uh has kind of surprised me but just um all the changes so the oakley trade to cart for cartwright mm-hmm. that kind of surprised me because oakley was like his protector and mm-hmm. uh you know i thought was going to be part of that nucleus um that kind of like i didn't really think anything about it uh, at first, but that triangle offense, you know, always takes a, a big post like uh, somebody like Bill uh, to help. Mm-hmm. Uh, watching, like, them bring in, so that first three championships, I think it was like Craig Hodges, John Paxson, uh, B.J. Armstrong yep. kind of uh, guys, and they kind of just kept rotating that kind of a shooter in with him. Uh, so that's kind of fun to see. And I'm kind of shocked that BJ hasn't gotten more airtime. Yeah, that's a good point. I agree. Yeah, because he was, he was a stud. I mean, Mark hated playing against him. Yeah. And, uh, and then, you know, the second three, obviously Kerr, you know, was in that same kind of role that Paxson played. 
Um, you, they got, well, they got Horace Grant uh, earlier, and that was uh, uh, interesting the way they kept that nucleus together and got him in. But then, you know, Luke Longley, Bill Winnington, Joe Klein, <laughs> uh, all those guys um, were um, good old boys, I guess. I mean, <laughs> they'd be like, hey, let's go have a beer afterwards, you know. Yep. Uh, they'll knock you on your ass and then say, like, hey, I'll buy you beer at, at Waddell's or whatever. Uh-huh. And uh, so it was uh, kind of unique to see all the roster changes that uh, they went through uh, at the end. And then I, I guess uh, the thing that another one is Tony Kukoc. I mean, he yeah. was, he's a, in a top five European players. He was, he's right up there along with Sabonis. Yep. So uh, I didn't realize Michael was on him all the time. Yeah. Uh, you know, to play harder, to do stuff mm-hmm. uh, better. Because uh, this guy's probably never even had anybody pushing like that. Mm-hmm. So when you think, now, I do remember uh, talking to Steve after I heard that Michael punched him out uh, <laughs> at practice on a, uh, on keeping score in the scrimmage. So <laughs> I thought that was kind of uh, funny, but uh i i guess i i was very familiar with them because being in our division yeah uh i i followed like who they were bringing in or uh things like that but no they're they're um uh, again i came into the league when larry and and magic were playing for you know championships every mm-hmm. every year um and the I guess the biggest thing that's a, I guess it's not a surprise of, cause he's, he's, Michael's a real person, personality mm-hmm. and flair, uh, just the way he, you know, the dunks, the plays, um, were so different. You know, Magic was, uh, kind of, uh, not a showboat, but he could do fancy stuff. And then Larry was just like, how'd that, hit do that you know <laughs> throw it over the backboard and score or, or change to his left and and shoot so um it was kind of uh i think how the, the nba really pushed michael into that role as you know the torch barrier mm-hmm. so do you then, ever i don't know did, oh go ahead no do you go ahead oh i was just gonna say i I didn't never read Jordan rules, yep. but that was kind of interesting. Uh, when Bren, Brendan Malone was kind of uh, yep. given the full full thing, I mean, I saw et, uh, expert uh, excerpts from it, but never like from the horse's mouth. <laughs> so you know, knock him on his ass when he don't he take can't take flight. I mean, right. shoot. Uh, and they did it, and they weren't afraid of, you know, what was going to be said about them. Yeah. So given that you were on the other side of it, Craig, whether it be the shot or just a playoff loss against the Chicago Bulls or multiple playoff losses against the Bulls, do you ever get sick of it? <laughs> uh, yeah, because, again, when the Pistons were at the top of our division and won a couple of championships in a row, 
you know, it was like who's going to throne them. And when you said that, uh, they do it alphabetically, you know, bulls, calves. Mm-hmm. Uh, if that, if he doesn't make that shot, I mean, we won 57 games that year. Yeah. Uh, and we did it convincingly. I mean, it was, I, I think Mark went down at the end. I think Mahorn hit him in the head and gave him a concussion. But when he went down, I think we were like 42 and 8. Mm. And, uh, I mean, we were, there was no time when we didn't walk on the court and think, you know, we're not going to lose. Mm-hmm. Uh, so if, if that shot doesn't go in in the year that we had, I'm not saying it might have been that year, but the, again, when you build a team around Brad, Harp, Mark, and bring in Larry, and you got Hot Rod coming off the bench. I mean, the pieces were there for to hang a banner. <laughs> mm-hmm. So I think that shot changed the the course of both franchises. And I can't remember, was it the 92-93 year? Um, we were in the conference finals against them. Mm-hmm. And that was the, the actual year that... We didn't get by them again, and, you know, Coach Wilkins resigned, and they made some changes, and uh, it kind of ran its course. Yeah. Well, Craig, this was great. I really appreciate you taking the time to do this and walking down memory lane with me. It was fantastic stuff. Yeah, well, I appreciate it. And, um, yeah, Rody, uh I think I'd already seen uh, Kenny uh, – Asked me if I could do a Zoom or something with him, and yep. he, and then he mentioned you. And then when I looked at Twitter, you messaged me. So then uh, I told him, I, I said, "Yeah, I'll do it whenever you tell me." And uh, he was like, "Yeah." And I said, "Oh, I talked to Chris, or I got in touch with Chris, and he said, yeah, yeah, that's great that you can.'" Uh, Good guy, good guy. So were you on the show with him, or did you write for him? Or I was on the show with him, um, but before I became on the show with him, I was working in the background as his producer for that show. Okay. Yeah. yeah. So I have known him, and we went to the same college, ironically, a number of years apart or whatever. Um, yeah. But, but we had that connection as well. So him and I have always been very, very close, probably for the last 15 years, I would say. Yeah, he was a snotty-nosed kid, uh, <laughs> you know, with his little tape recorder when I was there. Yep. And he turned himself into, yeah, I mean, um, he's got to be the top dog in Cleveland as far as sports goes. Yep, he's certainly uh, one of them. Radios, yeah. So I guess my favorite thing is Larry had a fantasy camp. <laughs> And we were scrimmaging, and Kenny, I don't know who, he caught an elbow, and, and oh, his God. nose was, yeah, just, yeah, I mean, it swelled and bled, <laughs> and I mean, it was like the next day he came back after getting it set or something, and was like, oh, yeah, I'll, I'll, I'm, I'm, I'm in this till the last day. <laughs> so, uh, it was funny uh, seeing him... Uh, come back at you know i would have left i would have oh yeah screw this so but he came back and finished the camp and uh i think um 
I went back a few other times where he had, his show had got a little more publicity and mm-hmm. bigger uh, personality. So glad to hear that for him. So yeah. Well, stay safe, stay healthy, and hopefully you can see uh, the new grandkid sometime soon, Craig. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, yeah, well, summer's, uh, we, well, I guess Cleve, we're kind of on the same weather pattern. <laughs> we get all four seasons, uh, so spring is uh, here, but I, we really love our summers up here, so yeah. uh, we have a place on a smaller lake up here. And, nice. Uh, yeah, so we'll, we'll see him. <laughs> Uh, more and you know he's crazy though because he'll be well in a few days three months or two months old so wow it flies I know so but I appreciate it Chris thanks for uh, uh, thinking of me and yeah hopefully Cleveland people will rally behind us I think they and, will for sure Craig <laughs> <laughs> so alright well I appreciate it yep you got it That was Chris Fedor and Craig Elo. Thanks again to Craig Elo for joining us. And be sure to look out for another episode of the Wine and Gold Talk podcast coming this Monday. Thanks so much for joining us. Take care.